Hello and welcome to the next episode of the Not Your Basic Fitzbo podcast. Today I am chatting with Dr. Adrian Berkeley um, about all things mindset, about reframing your thoughts, how to change and fix mindset, dealing with an all or nothing mindset, uh, the psychology behind restrictive dieting, and so much more. I hope you enjoyed the episode. Thanks for listening. Hello, Dr. Berkeley. Hello. <laughs> Welcome uh, to the podcast. I'm excited to have you on to chat all things psychology um, in regards to, you know, people's fitness and nutrition journeys. Uh, I find that as coaches, a lot of the time we tend to ignore the mindset aspect mm. of, you know, transformative, um, you know, people's transformations and just even their ability to make positive change, behavior change in their life. Um, so that is why I'm excited to have you on here. Um, but first, this is like our first official, like face-to-face -face <laughs> meeting. Yes. So I would love to hear more about you. Like, can you give me a bit of your background? How long have you been a doctor for? Where'd you go to school? Okay. Well, first of all, thank you for having me. I'm excited yes. to be here. I also equally love your content. Like, oh, thank you. <laughs> you're, you're spot on in so many different ways. Holistically, it's just like beautiful. Um, so thank you. I did all my training in the UK. So my training is in psychology and neuroscience. Um, to me, the mind and the brain are the same thing, but they're kind of treated as separate. I felt like you couldn't really yeah. learn one without the other. So that's why I kind of focused yeah. on those two areas. And I I was living abroad in the UK for 10 years and decided to return home because I missed home way too much. So I've, I've just come back to the island. It's actually, it's a year this week, actually. Oh, yeah. wow. Okay. So I, oh, that's I exciting. wanted to come back. And then, of course, Corona happened, so COVID. I was gonna say right in time <laughs> for COVID, perfect. right? It's perfect. So it's been an interesting year, to say the least. Yeah. So are you work like are you working like remotely on island? Are you doing things virtually? So it's a mix of both. Since things kind of calmed down for us before this second spike started, a lot of people didn't want the virtual sessions anymore. They prefer kind of in person. So I've I've still been doing in person. Yeah. Um, maybe one or two that like virtual but that's more convenient yeah. for them it's interesting it was all the rage when it started but um virtual has not been people's preference whatsoever yeah. oh interesting yeah and i mean it's been like that with me as well even like with yeah. fitness training it was it's amazing what i feel like corona's kind of given us the ability to get creative yeah. with our jobs and like find out what is possible you know when exactly. you're kind of backed into a corner you're forced to get creative exactly. and you know make changes so in some ways like it's been great for great for business and i've been able to help more people um i'm sure you found the same thing it's like hey like we can actually do exactly. this online and not a big you know deal. yeah <laughs> exactly oh that's awesome um yeah i the it's it's just like mindset what i'm learning like i've been in this game for probably like six yeah. years now. And I'd say the first like two years, I was that typical coach, like, here's your program. Like, you know, here's your meal plan. If you're not following yeah. this, like, 
it's your problem. Like you just have a problem following my instructions. Right. And, um, gradually over the years, I was like, wait a minute. I was like, you know, what good's a perfect program if they're not following it? Like maybe it's my delivery. Maybe I can, you know, so I've adjusted my, um, the way I train people over the years. Um, I was just recently, um, certified as like a health mindset was it a health mindset coach? I think that's what we, what they called it. It was a certification. Um, yeah. So it was a issue. It was a woman who graduated at, like with her PhD in psychology and she ended up transitioning into the fitness business. So it kind of fit right yeah. where I was. So I'm pretty new to it all, but it's just like, it just makes you take a step back and completely reassess how you work with people. hundred percent. It's such a huge part, which I always find kind of shocking how much it's overlooked and how it's just starting to be a new thing when particularly with weight loss journey or exercising in general it really has so much to do with your mindset and where you are and how you be yourself what you say to yourself what you do it's it's well I may be a little biased but for me it's it's the biggest part and so not addressing that you're not going to get the results that you're hoping for as a trainer and as the person receiving the training. Yeah, absolutely. And and that's another thing is that not only just realizing that it's the client's mindset, but it's also the trainer's mindset about their yes. clients as well, you know, and the story they're telling themselves about like, you know, if you get a client, you're like, oh, this client's just not working hard enough or this type of person always does this or whatever yeah. it is, is, you know, so it, it definitely takes work on both 100%. sides. Um, you know, I'm like, as I'm, as I'm saying here, I'm sitting here with my book, like I'm digesting this one, like right now <laughs> I'm holding up a book of, um, by Dr. Carol Dweck, the mindset book. Um, and you know, I wanted to ask mm-hmm. you, um, you know, just in regards to like behavior changes, a lot of the different topics I wanted to hear yeah. you, um, just hear your input on, but in regards to, let's just say like somebody wanting to start a fitness journey or like, you know, they say they have a ton of weight to lose. Like when someone comes up and says like, I'm, I'm not the type of person who can do this or, you know, I, I don't have access to a gym or I'm not the kind of person that likes to work out in front of people or I have an addiction to sugar, whatever yeah. it is. Um, that's like a fixed mindset, yeah. right? From what exactly, like, is there anything more you can elaborate on that? Like how to maybe take a fixed mindset and turn it into a growth mindset like advice for people yeah it's challenging the thoughts that are it's associated with that thought pattern so um it may be i don't like working out in front of people it may be because they don't like how they look or they think they're gonna look silly or if they have a sugar addiction they're thinking that i can't possibly change this in any way shape or form when and i i think what scares people is particularly with with training and their weight loss journey is they see they go from zero to 100 in the sense that they think they have to do a complete hard switch on everything. So they have this fixed mindset because it's like, I can't possibly do this or stop doing this or start doing this all over again. It's it's kind of challenging that. So of course, they have to be ready to, to yeah, because it, it is taxing and it is hard work. And physically working out challenges you mentally and emotionally because you're putting yourself through so much and they have to be ready. You have to say, you know, you have to kind of have the conversation with the clients. Are you, are you 
engage our what are your fears about this what are your thoughts let's have a conversation first you know i think from what i've seen a lot of times there's an initial consultation but that focuses more on this is where we train this is what we'll do but it's not enough conversation on what are you worried about what are your likes and dislikes what are some things that you personally struggle with because those are the things that are really impacting their journey and so in order to change that fixed mindset, you do have to do a little people work and get to know who you're working with and, and what their struggles are. You have to get a, a yeah, lot more personal. Absolutely. Yeah. <clears throat> well, and I was going to say one thing like I've realized with, you know, because I've had quite a lot of clients over the years, some extremely successful, yeah. some who, you know, have been learning experiences, um, you know, and, yeah. and it's tough as a coach because you take it. Yeah. You try not to take it personal. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, cause you, I'm learning that you can't help everybody, but I also feel like, you know, it's like, I, I'm pretty sure it's got to be me. Like, I can do better. And, you know, there are obviously some people who just aren't, like you said, aren't ready. Yeah. And I think that's something I've learned. But um, I've definitely found, like, with my intake form yeah. recently, is even just asking people, um, like, to rate them, rate their belief in their ability to change. Like, so yes. rate their self-efficacy. Like I'm, I'm finding that important yes. um, because yeah, like if you give somebody the opportunity to speak positive about themselves or, you know, and they're not taking it, it's like, I don't know if you're ready. Cause this is a lot harder than you think, you exactly. know? Yeah. Um, so that's again, like this, this has just been over the last like six months, I'm kind of brushing into this stuff more, but so, you know, for someone listening, it's, it's before you start a journey, like, like you were saying, thinking you have to do this whole 180 yeah. switch, that would be what we call like an all or nothing yes. mindset. Yes. Right. And like, what would you say is like the best way to address that? I feel like that's got to be like 90, probably 99% of the people who start, like they, they think that they have to, you know, run every single exactly. morning and be in the gym every night and, you know, like cut out all their carbs and cut out all their sugar. And yeah. And that's the kind of conception that, that is out there with physical fitness journeys. I mean, you see it on the commercials and the websites. It's like, I don't, I don't want to do that. I don't, I don't, I don't want to do that. But it, it is again, like having that conversation and addressing some of their beliefs around that. And really reinforcing that is one step at a time. Um, you are changing a habit and creating a new one. So if mm. you are not someone, I'm a metaphor person, if if you yeah, I love it. <laughs> if you haven't been waking up um, to go for a run at 2 a.m. in the morning, you're not just gonna randomly start waking up to go for a run at 2 a.m. in the morning. You know, take yes. it baby steps. So set an alarm at 2 a.m. Don't do anything else, set an alarm, see if you wake up. And then maybe a week later, you you set an alarm and you get dressed or so. So it's it's about reinforcing to the client and themselves that it's it's a small step and it's what you're comfortable with. Have the conversation. Let's move at your pace. You know what what is feasible. I'm not gonna have you. I don't know doing intense cardio five days a week is one or two good for you. And and that kind of puts them at ease that. It doesn't have to be all or nothing. I there are other there are other options. There's different ways to do this that reaches my com uh, my comfort levels, and I'm able to reach my goals. So it it should be about collaboration, and that's kind of how you kind of debunk that all or nothing black and white thinking. 
because then you're answering yeah. some of their questions and you're kind of understanding, okay, what they're fearful of, where they can be pushed a bit. And it doesn't have to be so I'm eating rabbit food and working out eight, yeah. like seven days a week for eight hours. You know, it, it can be quite yeah. flexible. Yeah. And let's say that's what I'm, I'm so passionate about, like teaching that to people. Yeah. Because, you know, people look at me and, the, and they assume, um, you know, and this can, I think, come mm-hmm. down to like having a fixed mindset about somebody is like just thinking that I've always been this way or I was just born with the ability to be motivated yeah. or, you know, you're just a disciplined person. I was like, oh, my gosh, like I I don't <laughs> even think I started exercising until like my mid 20s. And even that was, you know, I did like random P90X videos yeah. and I don't think I, yeah, it's like, I don't even think I ate a vegetable until I was 25, like, unless you count like Caesar salad, right? But yeah, like, so it's like, this was learned. Um, and I did do it the hard way. Um, but, you know, hopefully, hoping that through my journey, like I'm able yeah. to, you know, help people find like, not necessarily the shortcut, but maybe take a shorter route than what I did, you know? Um, yeah. And I think just like, realizing like the power of small habits Mm -hmm. and just implementing one tiny thing, like how that momentum can grow and your self-efficacy can grow, right? Like your belief in your ability to change. And, and then you have places to almost leverage, um, you know, if someone's like been actively walking every day, it's like, well, you know, why, why do you feel like you were so able, like, or what, what happened to make you be able to do that every single day? Do you think you could apply that same thing to X, Y, Z or, you know, and it just helps to, to build, you know what I mean? To build confidence in yourself, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah, for sure. Um, you know, I think so many people, and I know we kind of chatted behind the scenes before, um, you know, just to see what we wanted to chat about and kind of taking this down the, um, towards, like chatting, sorry, chatting more about restrictive eating and like dieting. So yeah. So gearing away from like the flexible thing. Now people think they tend to, or that they need to do these crazy restrictive diets. And I know you said you would touch on like the psychology behind that. I would love to hear your input. (laughs) Diets and restrictive eating does not work. (laughs) It's It's like, you just want to scream it, right? (laughs) Ah, I just, I I just, um, yeah, it breaks my heart sometimes. I have been a part of programs that are pushing this narrative and it's, it's just, uh, it, I can't even get my words out. It's really disappointing and disheartening for me because it, it, it sort of maintains this false narrative that if you are drinking juices three times a day for a week that you are going to be happy and of course you're going to lose weight because you're not eating anything and then the (laughs) moment that you start eating again you're going to gain weight and that is attributed to being a failure or not being good enough or that they've dropped the ball in, in some some form and it's it's just it's just not helpful it really isn't and it's what's interesting and not a lot of people know this that there is a lot of research out there that actually shows when you are not restrictive um when you are not dieting you're actually losing more weight you know it's like it's like knowing that you can have an ice cream bar or chocolate you're more likely to be like i actually don't want this knowing 
that it's accessible versus I have eat clean for five days and I absolutely cannot um, have this. What happens is we end up overeating because of it. So when we have these restrictions, yeah. we are, most people are not just, the, the, there's the term emotional eaters that certain people think they are. We, every human being is an emotional eater because we have emotions. So it doesn't matter if we're happy, stressed or anything, we are more likely to overeat with those restrictions. So when you are applying these really quite restrictive or and sometimes dangerous diets, it yeah. what it it just doesn't work and it comes back with a hard rebound effect and you're going to end up gaining more weight and you're going to end up beating yourself up that oh how did i lose all this weight on this restrictive program and now i'm back to this size and then you're going to emotional eat or you're going to um increase your stress levels which is going to make you put on weight because of cortisol rises like it's an yeah. ongoing cycle so what's really key is people understanding that these restrictive diets or plans are not helpful and it's gosh it's just not helpful and it's also i know it's, it's <laughs> also the wording i think one of the things that i've tried to help people understand in these programs when they are teaching um, is taking away the label to good and bad food all food has nutrition. A cheeseburger has, you're getting some nutritional value from a cheeseburger, from a pizza, yeah. from a piece of lettuce, from chocolate, from tomatoes. Everything has benefit. It's it's just the truth. Everything has benefit. Um, and what you don't want to do is, is continue to create the narrative of good and bad food. Because the moment someone has a bad food, then that just reinforces that, okay, I'm having something bad and it's going to, you know, highlight or trigger things i don't know if just a random example some women are like well this is why i can't find anyone this is why i'm not loved because look at me i'm eating this and i'm i'm this is why i gain weight or gosh i really should not have had that um this potato this this french fry or carb or whatever and it just you stay in the same cycle um in the same mindset or or psychology that reinforces that you are failing on some level and so it's yeah. it's kind of changing the narrative on good versus bad. Maybe maybe viewing it as this is more more has more nutritional benefit than the other, but I'm still getting something out of it. So you we have to challenge the way we're even talking to ourselves and talking to others about what we eat. And I really like that about your post and your content because you're like you can have a cheeseburger or you can you can have salad and it's it there is some benefit out of it and we have to get out of the narrative of like rabbit food is all great and of course you want to have balance and whatnot but when you're kind of pointing the finger at people all the time you're like this is bad food this is bad food this is bad food the moment they have the bad food they're not going to feel great it's going to enforce the mindset that they're dropping the ball which in turn makes them yeah. overeat or makes them unmotivated to want to even work out or do anything else. Yeah, it's a vicious it cycle because you're—it's like you're either on or you're off. Exactly. Right? Like you're—you know—you can't just be a person who's living and eating, you know, eating according to your goals or whatnot. Like you know what I mean? It's just—it's like how do you take that out for dinner? How do you, you know, how do you um, navigate, you know, different events or you know if something happens and all of a sudden like COVID happens and you're stuck exactly. at home? Like exactly. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like. You know, it's like, oh, I don't have my meal prepping service anymore or just whatever it is. Um, 
you know, it's, and I think it just reiterates, you know, the fixed mindset. If you're failing at these diets, you're just going to keep thinking like, I'm not the type of person who succeeds mm -hmm. at this. Like you said, it's like, I'm a failure. And, you know, it's like, whatever you tell yourself, you're going to find reasons to kind of back that exactly. up. Right. And it's just like, it's a, just a terrible way to live through it life, is. right? It's just not worth it. And no. yeah, that's why I, I know it's like, we got to stop people. It's like, you just want to shout, like broadcast this on like a loudspeaker, it, right? I do. So, uh, from a friend of mine who, um, they will do these like four day just drinking juice things. And I'm like, mm -hmm. like, of course you're going to lose weight, but this is really also really dangerous and don't do that. But, and they gain weight and they gain twice as much back. And it's, yeah. it's, it's just not helpful. It's not okay. Yeah. And I think like we're so tied to this number on the scale. And I, I actually spoke about this in the mm -hmm. last podcast I did is people don't even understand that it's not weight they want to lose. It's actually fat. And like the scale doesn't necessarily reflect yeah. that, you know, and I really try and teach a, you know, I'm not. I try, I try and kind of navigate people like where they're at or yeah. meet people where they're at, I should say. But when it comes to like this scale, I teach people to weigh themselves daily um, and take a weekly average if they're comfortable with it. Of course, we always have the conversation yeah. just to show it as like data as opposed to it being like, so it allows you to see like the trends so over time. They know every time they have a drop in the scale, it's going to be followed by a spike of some sort or that you know, every time that they don't get a lot of sleep, the scale is going to spike up and it just shows that it's not fat. So I try and build a better relationship with I think it. That's really helpful. You know? Yeah. Well, that's how I see it. You know, and there'll be people who will be like, oh, well, that's just like obsessive. And I was like, I think what's obsessive is weighing yourself after a workout once every three weeks, you know, after you've just lifted and like made your muscles exactly. swollen and then you're like five <laughs> pounds up. And, you know, um, so I try and do it that way. But of course, always meet people where they're at, um, which like leads me to like even my method of how I train or how I teach my nutrition yeah. clients um, and help them with fat loss. I do take a flexible dieting approach um, in which I try and get them to track their intake for mm -hmm. a bit, but more so to create awareness, um, to eliminate the good versus bad food mentality. And there are people who kind of give this method like you know a lot of slack or say like it's obsessive and I was like and they'll be like oh you have to be an intuitive eater and I was like well how can you be an intuitive eater if you don't understand what you're eating you know I would intuitively like eat you know a, a whole pizza to myself if I didn't understand like basic nutrition <laughs> and stuff you know um so just like what your like maybe what your opinion is on like taking like a flexible dieting approach or even just building awareness around what you're eating for a short period of time. I always say you can't change something you're not aware of. I, yeah. that's, that is my philosophy. It's genuinely true. You cannot change anything unless you're aware of. And yeah, it's, it's not obsessive. Like you said, you're, you're essentially collecting data or research on yourself. So you know how, where to move, how to go forward, what that looks like. And so maybe it's getting people to understand that it's, it's, you're doing a research project on yourself. You need some data. You need to know what your baseline yeah. is. It doesn't mean that yeah. for the rest of your life, you're going to be obsessing over what you're eating or making these constant kind of lists in your heads or judgments of, can I eat this? Can I eat this? You know, kind of 
doing math tricks in your head trying to figure out things it just means you're just trying to you're trying to collect a personalized baseline about yourself yeah and it's helpful you need that in order to change you can't change anything you're not aware of well, that's, that's exactly it. It's like, you know, people ask me now, like, are you still tracking? I'm like, I track really loosely. Like I, I lost weight after mm-hmm. my son, but like, I don't even need to track my intake the way I used to, because I know what a portion size looks like. I know if I, you know, have a donut with my coffee in the morning, like I, I'll hold back and kind of have, you know, vegetables and lean protein later on. Um, and it's a skill like I'm thankful yeah. for, like I put in that work and I can say the same for a lot of my clients. You put in the work for so long that it just runs on autopilot. You know, you can't unlearn it. So it's like you really, after knowing this stuff, would have to make, like, have a great deal of effort to go back to your old habits. It's true. I I often (laughs) use the metaphor of doing a squat. You know, if you're you're doing a squat and someone's corrected you on your form, you'll never go back to what you've done. Even if you're doing incorrectly, in your head, you're going to be like, I know I'm doing this wrong. And so it's the same thing, having that awareness so that it can guide your choices. Yeah, absolutely. No, that's so true. I like, yeah, it's safe. Yeah, yeah, you can't really go wrong. And if you're not, it's like you weren't listening in the first place, you know, with that. Yeah. I mean, there are, there are the odd person who have, um, what's the word proprioception that have like not the greatest proprioception, like the awareness of their body in space. So like trying to teach them certain things, it's like, you know, like raise your leg up and their arm goes up in the air. And, you know, there are, there are the few people that it's hard to teach that stuff too. But, uh, but yeah, no, I get completely what you're saying. Um, now something I come across in a lot with clients and I, a lot of the time, like, uh, it's like, I don't always know what to say. Like you have to sometimes as a coach, sit on your hands and try not to give solutions. You know, I'm, learning more, like you want to kind of get people to come up with their own solutions, even though you know, it's the right solution, they're more likely to follow through with it if they come Mm -hmm. up with it. Right. And I come into a lot of Mm self-sabotage. You know, it'll be like, for an example, someone who does really well during the week. And then every single weekend is just like, oh, you know me, I like to have all these drinks on Friday. And I'm the kind of person that goes, yeah, well, you know, yeah. kind of goes out every single like for brunch every weekend, and like you know me, I I just can't stick to this stuff, and almost like they're actually afraid to succeed. It does, does that make sense? Like I don't know if I'm wrong, but yeah, like just like what you're, how you would deal with someone who may be experiencing this. It's it's again kind of taking that time to understand their thought process behind what they're doing. Now, if they are perfectly great throughout the week then you know it is okay to have your time on the weekend now if they are constantly undoing their work then that's a conversation about okay what's what's kind of going on here like what are some of the thoughts that you're having and some so this is where I I kind of was thinking about exercise in my last post about self-care versus sabotage Mm, and you know what this is what kind of triggered me to ask this ask about this yeah because and I I I thought about myself as well you know we if someone has been working out let's just say four times a week and they've done really great 
and they are beating themselves up because they want to go to the gym, but their body is physically sore. Self-care says you can take a break. Don't discount everything that you've done. And that comes off of some of the negative self-talk that we have and some of the beliefs that we have about ourselves. Those same beliefs, though, can direct us into self-sabotage. So if you are you haven't worked out and, or done anything for your well-being, physical, emotional, or anything, but particularly physical here, and you haven't done it at all, but you're you're using it as avoidance, well, in the name of self-care, I will not take care of my physical health. That's self-sabotage. And so it's really getting to understand the person, what, what's going on here? Why, you know, just simply asking the question, like, why do you, let's say, if you've worked out, why are you kind of eating beyond beyond measure an hour later? Really getting to understand the person. What are some of their thoughts or their beliefs about themselves? Because that will give you insight right. into some of their patterns and, and habits. And again, creating that awareness into, okay, this is, this is something that probably needs to change. Um, those beliefs and those thoughts that we have about ourselves, they drive everything that we do particularly when it comes to our physical health. So we have to kind of get to some sort of understanding with them. What's, what's going on? Yeah, absolutely. And it's like just finding out kind of what's, what's behind there, you know, and yeah, just kind of like getting deeper and just continuously asking questions. It's like, well, why do you feel this way? And if they say it, it's like, okay, well, why do you think that is? And like, maybe just, just, you know, digging in and just, just you know, simple, I know not, you know, it's, it's doing it in a way where it doesn't feel like you're being interviewed or interrogated, but just so good. Like, Hey, yeah. like I noticed that kind of like, I don't know what the example is, but after every session you kind of, you overeat or you drink or you binge drink. I just noticed that what, like, what do you think that is? Or just popping it easy into, into conversation in that way, that way you can get an awareness about what their mindset is and what they're thinking or what they're feeling or their stress management is, um, Personal training is a very, obviously, as you know, it's it's a very personal thing. And I think what gets missed yeah. out is the personal part. You have to yeah. get to know them and their beliefs about themselves and about change and their habits for them to properly change them. Yeah, absolutely. And like, I think uh, so many people, you know, work out or um, you know, try and change their diet because they think that achieving this certain body yeah. type um, is the key to their happiness. Um, and it's so hard to sell exercise and, you know, just like what the transformation can actually be like, you know, how to bottle that up and market it to people. Whereas like, you know, I could, I could easily take um, my clients before and afters, my own before and after pictures and just say like, Hey, lose fat in 30 days, like by following this, you know, program or whatever. And so many people in my industry do, and I get it, you know, there's money to be made and, you know, people are buying this stuff and it's, it's hard to explain like that. You know, when you first start, when somebody first starts, you're like, you're going to feel so good in yourself. Like, you may be able to take on new projects that you never thought mm-hmm. before because you're going to build your self-discipline muscle. Like I've learned that that's actually a muscle yeah. that can be strengthened, yeah. right? Like self-discipline, like you have to, it's like in the army, right? Where they make their bed in the morning. Like it's yeah, not about the bed. You have to, you have to keep practicing. 
Yeah. I was like, I don't really think like they've got bigger fish to fry than like worrying about making their bed in the morning. Right. But it's just, you know, to get the, get the ball rolling. Yeah. And it's like, if people understood, like, it's hard to, what's the word? like delayed gratification, like how to, you know, tell someone like, it's just, just hang on. It's going to get really, really good. And you're going to love this. And the body, like it's going to come but it'll be like a byproduct and, you know, it, it, it's hard to sell that. Yeah. Um, which is why I find with check-ins, like I always try and get people to highlight their small wins because then they can kind yeah. of have that talk back to themselves. And it's like, Hey, like I went up the stairs yesterday and I wasn't out of breath or, you know, someone today was like, I feel in control of my diet for the first time in my life and I can eat um, I think it was jam or something like that. She was like, I put jam on my toast and I had wine last night and I was within my targets and this is incredible. Like I can actually do this. And, you know, it's very empowering, it is. Um, you know, to be able to, and I'm sure you understand that too. I mean, you work right with people's minds. You probably get those like, you know, the light bulb moments all the time. Yeah. And, you know, it's hard work, but very worthwhile work. Um. Yeah, it, and I, I I can imagine, like you said, kind of having the before and after pictures and and whatnot. I can imagine that it is dif- more difficult to sell. What people have to understand is that your physical health is not as physical as they think it is. It has so much to do with your well being, your mental and emotional, psychological, your cognitive well being. The physical, even though it's the focus, is actually the last thing. Yeah. And so what you're doing, you're doing it, though. You're packaging it in that way already. I mean, if you are focusing on not having it to be so restrictive that it's okay to do this and you can have flexibility, then just naturally, as we said, people are more likely to resist or make better choices because we're not drawing this hard line in the sand. And then people understand that it is your, your psychological or emotional well-being that has to be, I guess, worked on the most, then that's going to help with your physical well-being and incorporating yeah. that with your physical. Yeah. You can't go wrong. It's, it's everything. And I, I wish so much like over the next, like, you know, maybe over the next decade that it becomes so much more normalized to have a therapist as it would be to hire a personal trainer. Like, I don't think anyone should be left alone with their brain all the time. Like I consider myself, you know, pretty, I don't know if the word's like mentally stable or, you know what I mean? Like, I don't think that's the word, but, um, I've done a lot of mental work with a life coach Mm -hmm. over the last, like probably 10 years now. And uh, I credit that to like most of my success and my transformation. And like, I would love to see that like becoming like a package, like, you know, cause obviously I'm not a psychologist. Like I can do some of the stuff, but like if people start getting really deep with me, like I'm like, this is out of my scope, like, you know, refer out. But I would just love to see it become more normalized where everybody's like, yeah, I've got my therapist. Like me too. <laughs> yes, exactly. Like, it's- Especially like men too, I find, you know, mm-hmm. it's harder, um, you know, to go off into the kind of bushes here and sideline for a bit, but like, you know, men and just even like yeah. the older generation, 
you know, where yeah. it was always just sick people that went. And I was like, everybody's kind of sick in their own way. You know <laughs> what I mean? Like, <laughs> that's, that's the thing. I, 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 if anyone knows me, I'd probably say this a million and one times. The mind and the body are not separate. They're just yeah. not, you know, if you're nervous, that's a feeling. You get butterflies. That's your body. If you're embarrassed, your cheeks flush. Mind and body, guys. It's They're not separate. And I think I am a, a small little seed in trying to bring together mental and physical health. My training was specifically part of it. One of my, I guess, specialties has been, um, it's an area called liaison psychiatry, which is mental and physical health. So I work with people who have medical conditions or who are trying to lose weight because it's your mind and body, they work together. It's not meant to be separate. And I think we're starting to make progress. Um, the world in general, they are starting to see the connection. I think here uh, back home, it is a little bit difficult, but having people like you and me and other professionals who are kind of advocating for, you know, they're, they're one in the one in the same. Everyone yeah. has mental health, just like everyone has physical health. You know, you may not be on the extreme end, but just like you may get a cold, you may have some psychological distress. It's the same. It's yeah. the same thing. And I think I am as introverted as I am, you know, it's, it's fun, but not fun for me <laughs> trying to advocate for this position. And I, I want to work with doctors and get into the doctor's offices. And I, I, why I do my posts as an introvert is trying to get the idea out that we can talk about this. It's completely normal. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's something about, you know, therapy or whatever is not as clinical as it's made out to be. You're not lying down on my couch and you're not crazy there. Yeah. And it's just, I'm just trying to normalize as much as possible. There are, I remember looking for office locations and they're like, you can be here, you'll be tucked away. And I'm like, no, that, no, no, no. I don't want to be tucked away. Yeah. It's normal. You'll go to the doctor if you broke your leg, you know, why not speak to someone if you're feeling a little stressed out or if you need a little check-in it it's it's okay and part of that normalization is kind of doing like what you're doing in terms of bringing in the mindset element into working out because it's such a huge part they're not separate yeah. entities mind and yeah. body it's, go, it's everything it's yeah they go hand it's in literally hand. like i mean obviously there's the physical aspect of it but it's like your mindset is what takes you to the gym in the morning um your self dialogue just like you said, learning how to change your narrative and, you know, our ego is pretty much designed to keep us the same, right? Like I'm, I'm it doesn't really like change. It kind of acts like a petulant toddler and throws little tantrums when you try and change stuff, right? So it's really handy to have someone nearby that's like, hey, like, do you think maybe this may work? Or, hey, you did this in the past. How do you think this can work this time? Or, you know, just to... I feel like most successful people out there have some form of like therapist or like I said, life coach, um, just someone to work with their head. Like all the best coaches have coaches, you know? And yeah, it's important. Yeah. And no, I, I could scream this on the top of a building, like how important it is for people. Like, it's like, you don't, you're not stuck this way. Like to know that, like you, yeah, like you can change, you know, and 
Every, you know, it's just everyone needs someone. Absolutely. Like, absolutely. And I think once you realize that most of the, like a lot of them, let's say the most successful people I know, especially like even in my industry, um, you know, have, have therapists, have psychologists, um, you know, working with them. Cause if you're, if you're busy, you know, if you're like for me, for example, like I'm a mom, I'm a busy entrepreneur, like I'm trying to work on my own self, like well-being. And I'm also dealing with others. It's like, if I didn't have that, I would lose my mind, you know, it's like, I just need someone to hear me once in a while, you know, and, you know, and, and, and just, uh, you know, help me reset, I guess. Um, so yeah, I just, I love what you're doing. And I know you said you wanted to kind of like, you know, normalize it more. And that's exactly what you're doing. And guys, like, I'm going to link, um, Dr. Berkeley's info in the, um, caption, um, like the, yeah, in the details about the episodes so that you can check out her page. Like there's so many, and I've pulled a few of them up here, like <laughs> you know, these little random facts. And there was one today that you said we, that it's a myth that we only use 10% of yes. our brain. And I am pretty sure I have said that. I'm like, can you imagine what we, what we could do? We could probably levitate if we use all of our brain. And I would love to hear more about this. Like I've, Every time you put the facts on it, I, I click like, like over and over and over again. <laughs> yeah. It's, I sometimes I'm like, I don't know. Like people know this already. I'm like, oh, no. is it really a fact? And I was like, okay, I'm just going to do it anyway. Yeah. But because I've, I have heard it, I remember growing up hearing it and you hear it all the time that we only use 10%. Mm-hmm. And most of the systems in our body are regulated by the brain. Could you imagine if we are only using 10%? <laughs> <laughs> just, it's, it's like our physical bodies. No, we if we're sitting down, we may not be engaging every single muscle in the body, but it's still being used. Yeah, It's the same way in the brain. I mean, even the simplest, most non-complex tasks like listening to music your brain is doing fine because you're thinking about memories and the lyrics and then you're, you're hearing the sounds and you're also navigating or still doing what you, what you're doing outside of listening to music. The brain is very complex. If we only use 10%, I'll, you know, if that was the case, um, you wouldn't see such drastic changes when someone has a brain injury or a stroke or anything. If we only use 10%, why do we see such a difference? Which makes sense. And and honestly, like, I didn't know that either. And I think as professionals, like when you become a professional in your field, you know, you get kind of like almost like the curse of knowledge. So when you want to share something with someone, you're like, oh, they know this. Yeah. When I tell people fruit doesn't make them fat, I'm just like, okay, guys, like, we're just going to joke about this. And I have people like, oh, well, I haven't eaten a banana in like 10 years. I'm like, do you really think... That like, you know, somebody who struggles with obesity is blaming everything on the banana that they have in the morning. I'm like, come on. <laughs> I'm like, it's not. It's true. No, okay, bless you. Um, um, yeah. So it's just like, it, it's good to share this stuff and, and it's fun. You know, I think it makes your work, like it, it just makes it fun. Like you're just, you know, so much about the mind. Like it, it's a very it's an interesting thing to study. Like if I could go back to school right now, that's like the exact route I would. I said, if I wanted to go, if I wanted to go back to school, I could, if I wanted to, but <laughs> if I actually wanted to, yeah, you know, I, but instead I'll just learn from you, learn from you and bring, you know, <laughs> sometimes I, I do get in my own head. I'm thinking because obviously the brain to me, like it gets me excited. I remember talking to my little sister. She wants to be a nurse 
And she's like, oh, I learned about the brain today. She's like, I hated it. It was boring. And I was <laughs> devastated. I was like, how can you say that? Like this, it gives me joy. Like I get excited. I'm like, ah, the brain. And she's like, no. And I'm like, so sometimes I'm thinking like, people don't actually care about what I'm saying. So I don't need to say it. But I, I try to make uh, particularly the brain facts as relatable as possible, like getting people to understand with weight or their food choices, how that has to do so much with the brain or your gut and how the longest nerve in the body is between the brain and the gut. And like, so it's just kind of like, you know, again, trying to normalize the idea that the brain and the mind are the same thing and the mind and the, and the body are not separate. This It's one giant yeah. interconnecting system. I, yeah. if, if it is anything that I want out of, everything that I'm doing is for people to start viewing them as equals. Yeah, no, absolutely. Like you could say it's, it's a muscle, right? Like it it's like just like coming in and strengthening <laughs> your quads or strengthening your booty. It's like, you know, we got to work, like, our, work let's our minds do this too. too. It makes yeah. perfect sense. Yeah. But it has and been that something. It actually can be. Exactly. But it has yeah. been something that's been missed missed out and so that's why you see in so many of these programs there's there's no long-term success because the one of the biggest pieces of the puzzle they're not being addressed yeah so, no absolutely yeah. and let's hope like you know maybe, maybe this will be the podcast to change the direction of everything yes. you never know right yes, that's what we need. <laughs> i know maybe we could like help a few people you know um no i love it and i said i'm i'm going through now again like I always um pulling up your brain matter Tuesdays like <laughs> I, I just love them and the other thing I wanted to chat about like you know before um before we finish is you're talking about how social media can actually change your brain chemistry oh yeah like I would love to hear more about that like I know that like sometimes like I can you know if I go on to check a post. Like I get, you know, I get a lot of messages and I'm obviously very frequent on social media. Mm -hmm. And it's like, sometimes like I'll look up and like 40 minutes has passed and I'm like, what just happened? Like, where did I go? Yeah. <laughs> you know? It's so true. I mean, we are social creatures. We, we thrive on relationships with each other. Right. So social media is mm -hmm. super great because it allows us to do that. If we are getting like the notifications in particular, when we're getting likes, you know, we got a we got a hint of dopamine. We got a hint of wow, people care about me, or they're interested in what I'm doing, or what I, how I look, or what I'm saying, and that feeds this. Okay, so I'm getting a basically a positive reinforcement from using social media, and just like if you were working your arms all the time, it grows and grows, and so it, it that 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 burst of dopamine and serotonin and other neurotransmitters, it does change the structure of your brain because you're constantly responding to something. Um, and it works in the same way for negative feelings as well. So some people get really anxious when they get a like or a notification because it runs the same thing. What are people thinking? What are people saying? What does this mean for me? I, I remember at one point of time, and it's actually, it actually quite still happens. If I post something on social media, I would avoid it at all costs. I'd have to turn off my notifications because I get so anxious about it. That has changed because of my social media use. So everything that we do has a chemical reaction, whether we like or dislike. So if we, for example, if we're not, if we, 
don't have the best self-esteem within ourselves, the more we use social media and the more we get validated, validation is not something, it's not just a cute fluffy word. It actually yeah. causes chemical changes in our body and in our brain. So the more we do something or don't do something, particularly with social media, it kind of, it, it changes our, our levels. Right. Which it just, it, it makes so much sense. And you know, one one thing I actually encourage a lot of my clients to do when they're on social media is to, you know, kind of detox their feed. I, like that's the only time I really like that word. I'm not a big fan of that word at all, um, you know. But, uh, you know, if you're looking at people that it's making you not feel good, it's like, you know, just take them off. Like the, the act of like comparing yourself and just realizing that all these people on here like it's their highlight reel because, you know, they are craving that dopamine hit. Like they want the likes, they want the validation. You know, there's a lot of really insecure people, especially in my industry. Like I, you know, I'm seeing it more and more with like Gen Z and stuff too. Um, Cause they've grown up with it, right? Yeah. They don't know anything different. Um, I know that's a whole nother topic for another day, <laughs> but <laughs> I was like, I could go die, like go deep into that. But, you know, I think people see these like, you know, I'll just say like a Gymshark athlete with like the perfect button stuff. And mm -hmm. I'm like, I can pose like that too. I was like, it's angles. I was like, it's a certain like level of the camera. There's lighting. There's, you know, there's you so learn how things. to flex your butt. It's like, that's not normal. <laughs> like it's comparing yourself to these, you know, the people that to no fault of their own. Like it's like you said, it's the chemistry in your brain. Like you're craving that validation. Exactly. And I think just like making people aware that like these people like, you know, they have feelings, they have insecurities, or if they're posting that much photos of themselves, like half naked and stuff, like they're probably more insecure than you think, right? It's like not, true. not all the time, but you know, not all the time, but yes. Um, and maybe just to realize that when they're navigating, like not to compare themselves with what they see on there, and, you know, but it's, it's so hard because, you know, social media particularly Instagram is designed for you to compare yourself. That's literally mm -hmm. what it's designed for. You see other people and you like it or you don't. The more likes, the better it is, right? So it's designed yep. for us to constantly compare ourselves to other people. And like you said, yeah. it's people's highlight reel. No one's showing you when they're down in the trenches. They're showing you when they're on top, when they're looking great. So it's, it's but that's hard to remember while you're in it. I always kind of say emotion and logic is, they're, they're never on at the same time. <laughs> no. So it's really hard. If, particularly if you're, if you're hard on yourself about the way that you look and if you didn't work out today or you did and you go on your feed and you're seeing this great photo of somebody who's I, your ideal, it's just going to make you feel horrific about yourself. But it is understanding that you're allowed to have the feeling so you can totally go for it. Um, but remembering to switch on a logic switch that it's designed to do this yeah and try not to stay in that space which is easier said than done yeah but you're right the de the the social media detox i know we don't like that yeah. word but for me one thing that's actually really helped me although sometimes this is why my messages are really delayed i turn off my notifications for instagram so i i never even know when i have anything on and that has actually helped me so much and that's what a lot of people um, researchers in, in the field are kind of suggesting so that if you are laying in bed and you hear a notification, it doesn't either bring you joy or happiness or anxiety right. and fear. And you're kind of, kind of getting control of your brain back a little bit.
that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Because it's just like, it focuses everything, right? And it's all it takes. And I mean, the algorithms are, again, this is like a whole nother rabbit hole to go down. But like the way the algorithms are designed, like they know how to grab you. It's like, hey, you've been away from your phone for this amount of time. Like, here's a notification. Someone just liked you. And then it gets you back in, right? There's a there's a great documentary. And I'm just saying it's because I'm biased and I like this. But it That's is. That's the one on Netflix, yes, right? Yes, it is so great. I'm like, I just wish everyone would watch this. Because it's, it's like. <laughs> the thing is, like, I'm watching it and I'm like. I'm like, oh yeah, this is so true. And I'm like, I gotta put my phone down, right? It's, it's but that's how it, it is a business, right? They want you to keep engaging, so they they make connections and they the algorithms are doing things to like make sure that you stay engaged as much as possible, right? Mm-hmm. You gotta watch it, guys. Oh, they're intelligent. Like, yeah, yeah. It's, it's I can't remember what is it the social experiment I think it, or, or the social dilemma. Uh, or something that's like it that. the social dilemma that's it i knew yeah social something but yeah it's fascinating yeah no it really is and it's just trying to be mindful about it and like you said with the detox thing like even i find even with myself when i was starting to grow my business i actually had to delete other fitness coaches yeah. um not because they had anything i didn't like um or you know that i was against or anything um it was just the fact that i was comparing my day one to their like day 600, you know, like coaches who I look up to, I'm like, well, why don't I have like a community of a thousand people yet? And it's like, like, Hey, it's day one. And I had to delete them for a bit until I felt comfortable enough to almost look up to what they were doing as opposed to comparing my, you know, and and that's but, like it takes awareness. Yeah, it, it does. And it's the same with fitness journeys, right? If somebody if you're looking at someone who's already done a transformation, but it's like triggering you or making you feel negative. It's like, don't I think you have the right to unfollow someone. I, I tell people all the time, if you find my information maybe triggering because you're not at like, you know what I'm teaching, like maybe you're not there yet yeah. or maybe, you know what I mean? Like, I'm just like, I will take nothing personal about you unfollowing me. You know, you can always come back later if you want, <laughs> you know. But that's, that's exactly it. If you're, th- this is why it's important for people to understand that the mind, the brain is so important in the journey. If, if you are getting upset naturally so at things or things are impacting you emotionally which is going to impact how you feel about doing things physically that has to be addressed you you cannot be a trainer or you cannot do that without the missing piece it's such a huge part if you're feeling low you eat more or you eat less um if you are feeling unmotivated or stressed out if you're angry if you're disappointed all these things direct your behavior eating and working out and training their behaviors. So you have yes. to you have to get to the things, the beliefs that are driving that. And so it's important. It's important. It, yeah. it, essentially the approach has been neglecting the a half of the problem. Yeah. And I think like it's just important for everyone listening to know like that if you haven't succeeded yet, it's not because you suck at following a plan or that, you know, you're not motivated enough or you're not disciplined enough. Like maybe you just need to like tap into that brain, yeah. you know, seek some outside help, have a chat with someone and maybe just kind of 
Exactly. They po poke at those beliefs that you have about yourself. Exactly. And I, I always find, particularly people who, who want like a weight loss assessment, it's really just getting to some sort of, un, excuse me, sorry, understanding or awareness mm -hmm. about their triggers or what's kind of, what's kind of directing their behaviors. And sometimes that's, that's all enough. It doesn't have to be where you're on somebody's couch for, 12 weeks week to week you know it's really just at least in my approach is creating that awareness and even you know it's not always psychology sometimes it's actually your actual brain function you know our brains are very complex doing the most simplest things like remembering your schedule to go work out and doing a routine that requires a lot of cognitive skills if you are naturally on the weaker side and we have to strengthen those skills first then sometimes people having that awareness like okay so i know my working memory is not that great i know if i strengthen that then it will impact my physical ability to do things like yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going on a tangent, but I get excited because but it's so true. the mind and the brain it is such a huge part of our behavior. So yeah, yeah, absolutely. And like, it's like continuing on with what you were saying is um like before I wrap it up, I know one thing I learned in the, in the course that I just took um was that stress and self-discipline, like they can't really coexist together so well. Like if you're stressed out, it's like different areas of the brain, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. That are kind of switched on. Like, yeah, I was like, correct me if I'm wrong. I'm trying to recap everything I learned. But, <laughs> um, you know, if you're stressed, like it's really hard to switch on your self-discipline because it's a different part of your brain that's active, like actually like physically. Um, so, you know, if you're trying to diet, like dieting is a stress to the body. Oh, Even if you do it flexibly, it's still physically a stress to your body because you're eating less calories than what your body needs, right? Um, as flat, like, even if you're doing it in a good way, mm -hmm. but if you're already stressed, adding that extra stress is going to really exactly <laughs> like hinder your self-discipline, exactly. right? And, and, and that's why it's about finding coping skills to help manage your stressors. And we, we naturally as human beings are in a constant society has made it that we're in psychological distress. It's normal. Like we're supposed yeah. to be dealing with a level of stress, which is not the case. We're not actually supposed to be there. Um, mm -hmm. But thinking about what I should eat, what I can't eat, those restrictions and things, um, eating less, even if, like you said, doing the the a like, good way for you, your body gets swarmed with cortisol because you're under stress. And stress changes your brain chemistry, changes your hormone function. It makes you put on more weight. So it's... Mm -hmm it's you have to pay important uh, important attention to these things if you have the proper coping skills to be able to manage some of your stresses a bit it makes all the difference do you have any um i was gonna say before again i keep saying before and i was like <laughs> i could chat all day um just for those listening like do you have any on the top of your mind like um like what was I going to say ways to cope with stress like any any exercises that you think like say someone's listening here now well okay well how do I do that like so one thing that I think is really important to know it's not a one-size-fits-all everyone is unique mm -hmm. and it's really finding I always ask the question what makes you happy and what puts you in a good space um some people do yoga if I try to do yoga, it makes me angrier. I can't, I just, I can't do it. My, um, mindfulness stresses me out. I will not. What I do is boxing or I pole dance or I do, or eat a cheeseburger. I don't know, whatever it is. Yeah. But you have to find what puts you in a good space because when we are low, 
or not not in the best of space or not motivated or stressed out if it feels like a chore we're not going to do it but if it's something yeah. that genuinely puts us in a good space then we're actually more inclined to do it like me i know running on a treadmill for an hour after a long day is not going to make me happy but maybe doing a hit routine because i or boxing because i really like it yeah i'm more inclined to do that and i know it's i'm more likely to do that when i am super stressed so it's it's hard to say you could try x y and z because it has to be unique to you and it has to be something that doesn't feel like a chore if you are not a person who can journal or go for go for walks or do yoga then don't do that it's not for you there's other ways to do it sometimes it's just sitting in silence for 30 seconds or listening to your favorite song or Mm -hmm. just sitting with your family or having a chat with someone or drinking sparkling water whatever it is that feels like you're improving your well-being that's how you manage it and so it's unique it's we've society has come kind of come into this blanket way of coping with stress is kind of doing things that doesn't work for everybody i'm a prime example i cannot meditate i cannot my brain will not (laughs) shut up i can't do it yeah so it's it's finding (laughs) what works for you yeah absolutely yeah and I, I'm I'm kind of like that too. Like I'm more of a, what was I going to say? Like while I'm doing stuff, kind of like a meditator. So I'm not necessarily meditating, but like if I'm doing the dishes, I'll, it's almost like practicing gratitude. Like yeah. I will just really think about how I would feel if I didn't have running water or be like, you know what? I really like this bowl. Like it's just silly stuff, but it's enough to just, yeah, it's, it's you not know, I get a little hit and it feels good. And yeah, so it's just, it's just like, it could be like to anything, like, you know, I could be like, these shoes are great. Or like, wow, I really like whoever invented like pavement. Like, I'm glad that I don't have to drive on rubble. Like, it's just little things like that. Um, And that's my way, but it's not for everybody, right? No, it's just fine. It's not always doing actions. Like I said, if it's literally you just sitting in silence for 30 seconds, if that's what you need, Mm -hmm. that helps to bring down your stress levels, then that's what you do. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, well, this was awesome. I um, really appreciate you taking the time no, to you. come on here. Uh, definitely have to do this again in the future. I agree. Thank you so much. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm really thankful. <laughs> oh, I'm glad. And listen, for anyone listening, I'm going to do- um, drop Dr. Berkeley's info in the uh, details about the episode, the little caption bit. Um, so you can give her a follow and check out her cool content. Thank um, you. Yeah. All right. I was like, I will chat to you soon. Sounds good. Thank you so much, Gary. All right. Bye. Bye.